Hi everyone, welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Frankly podcast from BP Launchpad. My name is Steve Cook. I'm one of the operating partners at Launchpad. And Launchpad is designed to rapidly scale up new digital platform companies for the future of the energy. And this is a part of a series of conversations we're having with the CEOs and founders in the Launchpad portfolio as they go through their scaling journey. And I'm hosting those. And it's a pleasure today that we've got Chris Shannon joining us from Fotec Solutions. Welcome, Chris. Thanks, Steve. Good to be here. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, and uh, just introduce yourself to everybody who's listening. Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Well, thanks. Um, I, I guess I, I've kind of described myself as a gypsy CEO for 30 years <laughs> working uh, in venture capital, private equity-backed startups. Uh, I've never started a business. Um, so, uh, you know, it's really about scale-up, um, but it, I, it's been in that industry the whole time. Um, always technology, generally hardware and software combinations. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a fun ride. I've, I've grown five businesses and exited five businesses into trade sales and generally moved on at that point as it becomes part of a, a, a big corporate. But uh, strangely, this time with Fotech, uh, taking the opportunity to stick around as part of the Launchpad organization, having a lot of fun. Fantastic. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the fun you're having uh, as we get as we go on. But by way of introduction, so that people can put a bit of context around the conversation, tell us a little bit about Fotech, what the company does, what its ambition is. Yeah, so at, it, at its core, we are a, a fiber sensing company where we convert a standard optical communication fiber that could be up to 100 kilometers long. And we turn that into a real-time vibration sensor where we're able to analyze the vibrations in real time every meter along those 100 kilometers and turn that into actionable information. We can tell you there's footsteps, someone digging, a leak in a pipeline, someone crossing a border. So many, many applications for this. And the, the technology is really about the software and the analytics that are provided in real time. We, we, we process more than many other industries, hundreds and hundreds of megabytes a second to produce that that uh, that valuable information. And I guess what's, what's exciting right now is recognizing the amount of fire that is uh, across the world and continuing to be deployed in vast quantities, all of that to us uh, represents a sensing opportunity uh, that, that we can deliver with our technology. So perfect timing as, as it expands and rolls out. Fantastic. And so to, to my simple mind, uh, fiber optic cables are about light and, mm. and information through light. So just explain how you, you just said that really what your business is all about is listening for sounds and picking up vibrations. So how do you use fiber as a as an acoustic sensor, which is really what you're doing? We're sending pulses of light down that fiber in exactly the same way as telecommunications sends uh, data pulses. So we send uh, what we call an interrogating pulse. Um, every molecule of that glass fiber scatters some of that light back to us at the, at the, at the, at the receive end. Um, and any vibrations that are happening around the fiber, creating tiny changes in strain in, in that fiber, 
which modify the form of the light that's being scattered back. And we're able to interrogate that and convert that back into the sound that caused those, uh, those minor strain changes. So uh, you could play music into the fiber tens of kilometers away from our interrogator and we could reproduce that music in close to, uh, close to perfect audio. Well, it sort of sounds a bit like magic, but at the heart of it is mm. is some very clever optoelectronics and uh, and some very clever um, software and analytics. Um, yeah, right, Chris. Yeah, ab absolutely. It's it's a combination of the photonics that patented photonics that that uh, allow us to do that sensing, but then the ultra high speed graphics processor driven processing. Uh, that, that allows us to to convert that into packets of information that can be used and transmitted through the cloud, accessed uh, remotely from from anywhere. We will avoid a whole conversation on the on the physics of of light scattering, but um, but it it's it's pretty exciting. Um, now, you just said in your introduction that you you spent a large part of your career as a uh, as a sort of serial CEO in various mm -hmm. different startups and scale-ups so my experience so far of the startup world has been that it's it's just you know characterized by you know, huge emotional swings by um, constant victories and defeats and um, and a lot of uncertainty so you know you've lived that life for um, quite a while and so tell us a little bit about what you've learned in that in that journey, why you still enjoy it, and and, and how you are, have learned to become resilient to those ups and downs. You know, the first thing with a startup is you begin with a set of ideas about what you want to do with a certain technology, certain solution, and a belief that it has a value to a market. Probably the most important thing is to be listening to that market the whole time and reacting to what it's telling you back. And some of the, 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 the fastest failures I've seen in, in startups is where you stick rigidly to that original idea. And particularly with founders, it's difficult for them to break out of that. But you react somewhat like a chameleon to what the market really wants and convert the technology offering to something that's definitely going to be delivering value and has demand. The characteristic of a startup is your timelines are short. Your, your funding timelines, your, your financial runway is frequently short to be able to demonstrate that traction and, and move on to the next phase of, of, of fundraising. You're constantly hiring people who are relying on you as a CEO to deliver on your promises. You've got a group of disparate shareholders who are relying on you to deliver on your promises. And, and frequently around you there is not the feedback from your mentors or teams or shareholders that 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 will let you know whether you're doing a good job or not so the classic sort of it's lonely to be a ceo i think in many ways that that is totally amplified in a startup environment um, and you've got to make decisions fast generally with your gut because you've always got less than perfect information so um it, it's interesting. You talk about the roller coaster of the ups and downs, and the, sometimes there's fantastic things happen, and otherwise crushingly bad news comes your way. Um, the the need to keep that focus on on where you are and where you're going, and understand that you can't change the now, but you can change what happens next. And what's important? What can you change? wasting your time reflecting on things that you can't change or efforts on things that you can't change is is exactly that it is wasting time and so i think uh, you know my experience and the longer i've been doing this the need to stay calm um to to really understand where you are and what the next move is 
uh, is, is huge to stay positive and that's and that's frequently hard but there's a bunch of people looking at you for guidance and vision and to keep that positivity and keep everyone motivated um, in the face of what sometimes as I say crushingly bad news is, is the only way to ensure that you're doing absolutely the right things to move things forward and I, I guess that that resilience what I have seen in the past is if you let that bring you down you watch how quickly it brings everyone around you down yeah. as well and and then the business goes goes nowhere so i think it's it's hugely important and recognize that the decision that you're making next might not be the right one but at least it's a decision and then understanding quickly whether that's working or not and being able to pivot on the back of of the information you receive around that and that's a, I, I think that's a really important point about making sure the learning cycle is there so you can you can pick up on the the information quickly which tells you you know what to do in the face of that new information you've got from whatever decision you've made right yeah 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 exactly and and uh, and i think uh, if, if you haven't got the information where can you get it from and where can you get semi-good information it's it, it's there's always going to be something that, that that you can react to you talked about the importance of being positive and and that you know that if you are not then even if you are in my experience, even if you're trying to put up a, a decent facade, I think it's it, it can be quite obvious to people what, what your mood is. And mm. and as you say, then cascades through the rest of the organization with potentially some quite devastating effects. So mm. what do you what do you do to keep yourself positive? <laughs> that's, that's a good question. So you know, I will um, particularly through through COVID, it sort of helped things. It, you know, I'll go for a walk, I'll go for a run. I'll, I'll meditate, I will uh, take myself out of the situation for a short while, just to, uh, to put everything in perspective. But that, but that getting perspective and recognizing hmm. um, it, it is pointless getting down about something, right? totally pointless. It, it's not moving anything forward. And so j- just extracting yourself from the situation and being able to get that perspective and then get back in and explain to people where you are and what's happening next. To help with that perspective, because I think I agree with you that that the the ability to get some perspective on a situation is is quite difficult sometimes, but really important. But do you have a do you have a particular support network that you built over the years? Do you have people that you talk to regularly who can give you that sense of friendly challenge? Yes, totally. And I, you know, who are they? It's a mix of people. I did an MBA thirty years ago. Um, I, I'll still regularly go out to dinner with a few guys from from that course. Um, I've I've got a network of friends who are senior execs in big corporates and other people from startups. And uh, just being able to openly bounce ideas off and uh, and and share those thoughts um, is is hugely useful because everyone's faced similar problems from time to time. Um, and so uh, I, I think it's just being prepared to open and have these conversations and let people know, you know, not everything's perfect, right? If if I'm telling all my telling all my friends that yeah things are going swimmingly well and inside I'm burning up about a problem that they might be able to help with, it's much better to to yeah to be open and and share those thoughts. I'm also on the board of of another small company and and it does help using your expertise in another business environment you're reflecting Mm. through problems there and you suddenly realize that you're giving advice to another business 
that if you gave that advice to yourself, um, it would be it would be a very sensible thing to do. And that again is just allowing a different perspective on on, on what yeah, very much so. So it's that sort of taking yourself uh, out and and uh, looking at a business through a different lens. Um, mm. So uh, you mentioned you also mentioned earlier that you you chosen interestingly this time in in the journey with Fotech to to stick around as it was uh, after it was acquired by Launchpad mm. and, and without mm. blowing the Launchpad trumpet or or um, or, <laughs> or alternatively <laughs> destroying our reputation um <laughs> what what is it that's different about about Launchpad uh for you William what why did you choose to stick around yeah I think so I, you know if I first tell you about the experience of a lot of tra- trade sales you you end up in a business that is generally trying to integrate your business into theirs and um and they frequently fail to do that, recognizing that they generally end up losing a lot of what they acquired because of what they're trying to do with that business. What I saw um, with Launchpad was exactly that. It was a launchpad to allow us to take Fotech to the next level or the, or the next level beyond that level. It had a vision that that you rarely see encouraged by private equity who frequently have much shorter time Mm. Uh, much shorter term timescales and you might be working with multiple shareholders who have uh, different timescales which gets into conflicting decision making and and, and runways um, but Launchpad as an organization brings that capital to provide the acceleration but similarly provides a, a group of operating practices whether it's the, the the growth lead or technology lead but support for an organization which can fill some of those gaps that you're trying to to fill as you scale a business and provide huge learning opportunities for me for the company to allow us to accelerate beyond any dreams that we may have had where we could take it and so I think that's that's what's kept me around well that's good to hear um and you know as part of that the, the big agenda for, for Fotech, the growth agenda, you know, you've had to think about the team that's right for the next phase of Fotech's journey. And in mm. particular, I think you've made some, you made some pretty significant additions and changes to the management team that you have. So you've hired in a, a new COO, a new CTO, and a, and a new head of sales uh, over the past few months, which has, I guess, completely changed the the makeup of your management team. I had a, a question about about making those changes. And once you've come to that decision and made those hires, what is it that you're you're doing and building on your experience to to enable that top team to be effective as soon as possible yeah yeah that's that's a great question and you know the first thing is that that team is allowing me to operate on a different level um, and have a different set of expectations from me as a leader to to what maybe teams in an earlier stage of a business would but the important thing for us is to get this team operating as effectively as possible as fast as possible and so accelerating that forming storming norming of, of of team building to the point where we hit the ground running we've we work with a, a company called clarity leadership 
who have a program they call Unstoppable Teams, which we've, we've gone through a couple of phases of that. And it's, it's about getting this team to know each other, understand each other. We did um, some, some work with Hogan, a, a profiling technique, psychometric profiling, which not just telling you what type of person you are, but how you react in different situations, um, how you react when you're under stress, how you react when you're bored, how you react when you're happy, how you react when you're tired. And sharing that amongst this small group of people, so as we understood how to either, either support each other or work with each other in, in very different situations and recognize when those things are happening. And I think that the second, probably more important thing is to be able to confidently deliver feedback, good and bad, uh, between all of us. And so regular one-to-ones that openly share, not concerned about creating conflict, and but, but, but knowing that we'll be able to get through that. Um, that level of trust has, has had to be built incredibly fast. And it, it's working well. A couple of fascinating things in that. One is that process you talked about with Hogan of understanding how people are when they are not in you know calm situations, when they're under pressure and facing challenges how do people react because you see Mm. quite potentially quite different sides of people and and the other thing that you said which I found really interesting was the the feedback I mean I mean it's a it's almost a cliche I guess that you know frequent honest feedback is a marker of success in high performing Mm. teams but for Mm. you when you've got a disparate group of people who are new into an organization new into a culture um were, were there any hacks or tricks or tools or processes that help you get into that culture of feedback quickly yeah, I think, you know, for, for one, I'm working with some, some seriously good professionals who've, who've got experience and, and they come from backgrounds where they know how to deliver feedback. But I think the, the most interesting thing we've, we've done, and this was, this was one of the, the hacks, if you want to call it, that Clarity lead us through, go for a walk, a country walk um, with, as a group but one-on-one so you uh, let's say it's a, an, an hour-long walk and every 15 minutes you swap um, partners so you're walking as a, as a pair but the, the important thing about going for a walk is that you're both looking in one direction you're not sat across the table looking at each other um, and I think there's a lot of work being done to understand that you will have a different conversation when you're not facing each other uh, you know with your with your partner you're driving the car you can have a different conversation than if you're sat opposite a glass of wine. And um, so having that conversation on that walk and saying, right, for these 15 minutes, uh, we're going to split it into seven and a half minutes each. And I'm going to tell you a couple of things that I love that you're doing and a couple of things that, that I really wish you would change um, and you know, can help you do better. And then you swap it around and get it the other way. That, that's the, the sort of cadence of that. The, the, the turnaround time and the openness and honesty of saying this is what we're going to do for the next hour um that's that's a pretty effective process one other thing i wanted to ask you about chris was covid uh, and its effects around the world you're a photoco global business it's affected everybody in many different ways but um how in particular has it affected the business the photech does and what, what have you had to do differently yeah, so I think, uh, you, you know, COVID, as you say, has caught everybody out. I think it's it's lasted. If we think about the plans that we made back in February 2020, they might have lasted six months. And uh, so the whole process has, has gone on much longer than, than, than any of us thought. 
the areas that Fotec is used to operating in South America, in India, some of the, the worst affected in terms of the, the crisis that it's called and, and the problems that it's caused. So firstly, the markets that we work in are really struggling. And a lot of the, uh, the CapEx programs where we play around pipelines, big infrastructure plays, uh, everyone's budgets are compressed, decisions are being pushed out and delayed. So Given that, we've had to um, to pivot quite quickly to work in areas where there's more desperation for our technology as a result of that, increased security concerns and changes to the way the world operates. So that's our market. But as a business, we have a technology which frequently needs people on the ground in different countries to deploy and install. So we've had to focus a lot on technologies that we can deploy uh, to allow us to perform remote installations, remote setup, um, and get a lot more online. And then I, I guess the third part is, is the the part that many people have had to deal with, which is about remote teams and hybrid working as we move back into uh, a combination. The trust that that's built across organizations perfectly, allowing people to work from home and recognizing that in many ways, productivity goes up. Flexibility gives opportunities to to employees that they've never seen before, improves the gender balance, the the opportunities for people uh, to adapt quickly with the various tools that are available. If you have people working remotely to ensure that they can collaborate to ensure that they're stimulated to collaborate and create. So uh, things such as Lucid Spark Miro, uh, game storming techniques, which allow people to collaborate more freely online than than they might be used to stood in front of a whiteboard in one room um, and keeping that communication going. I think we've done it really well. Uh, I'm really proud of, of the way the team are now operating. And uh, I think, as you know, Steve, we're never going to go back into a situation where our company is all in, in the office, but uh, yes. we, get, we get more out of people. Seriously think we do. No, fantastic. And that's, that's, uh, that's good to hear. And I guess we're coming, coming to the end of the conversation now. One, mm. one thing I did want to ask you is in all of the experience that you've had, what's one big leadership lesson that you've learned that's been important for you in your journey and you think might be relevant for for others maybe my learning many years ago i had a it was a fantastic technology that became part of the core of wave division multiplexing which which allowed multiple communications of optics uh, on on fiber and we from building tens of these devices one a, a contract worth tens of millions for the big telecom hardware manufacturers and had to scale very quickly to producing thousands of these you know as a arrogant young entrepreneur thought i knew how to do that and months later we had work in progress stuck on the side of the production line and failing in all sorts of ways. I I pulled in a serious manufacturing expert and all of a sudden he was telling me stuff that I'd never thought of, never known. He'd done this all before. We put a stop on the production line and four months after that, we were back up and running with high levels of of, of success. And I, I guess what that taught me is that buy in expertise. You can't make stuff up. You haven't got time to learn whole new areas. And so filling those gaps in your organizations with people that really know what they're doing, that's that's true leadership and, and giving those people the space to operate. Wise words. And it never escapes my notice whenever I talk to you and we're on video 
together, Chris, you're surrounded by musical instruments and <laughs> other paraphernalia of musicianship. And uh, so I, I know you're a keen musician. You make a lot of music. You play a lot of music. So who inspires you in the in the music world? What really inspires me is the ability for people to totally know their instrument, where where a musical instrument becomes an extension of of, of their body. And I and I guess people like Clapton um, on, on the guitar, but there's. There's a young Russian pianist um, around at the minute, Pavel Kolesnikov. Uh, I think he was on the proms last week doing Bach's uh, Goldberg variations. And w- when you see musicianship at that level, uh, the, the instrument is totally an extension of the person. It's like it's, it's almost like what they think comes out of the end of their fingers into an instrument and makes makes amazing music. Uh, I am nowhere near that level of musicianship, but but that inspires <laughs> the hell out of me. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you, Chris. Thanks for joining us for this for this conversation. Good luck with the with the next part of Fotech's journey, and. You can follow us on the Frankly series of podcasts. You can follow Launchpad on LinkedIn. You can go to the bplaunchpad.com website to find out a bit more. And then if you're interested in what Chris has been talking about, about Fotech, you can find them at fotech.com. And uh, thank you ever so much for listening. Mm-hmm.